are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Now, Mark chapter 1 tonight, and I'll put this right over there. For our friends that are watching, we have a huge delegation uh, that are out of town, the senior class and so many sponsors and couples and folks, and so they're on that trip, and um, it is spring break in the school, and I guess some folks have decided to take spring break, but what a great crowd, parking lot one, parking lot two, all the tents tonight, and we're glad, I'm so glad you're here. For our friends watching, it is very very overcast. It's not going to rain tonight, it doesn't look like. Very still right now. And it's not really cold, but it's not warm. But at least we're uh, in the tents. In the tents are warm, I guess. I, uh, I got finished so quickly on Sunday night. It's about an hour and one minute service. I was so nervous that you were cold. And I've been reprimanded by so many people saying, it wasn't cold. We were fine. And so we're going to just preach through the snow and the winter and all of that as it comes. And uh, we, look, we look forward to all that God's going to continue to do. Our Lord's so good to us. And um, I, hope, I hope you understand that uh, God's hand is in control of everything. Don't, don't worry. Don't fret. Don't stew. Don't get, get all worked up. God knows what's going on. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm listening for. I'm listening for the trump and the voice. And uh, soon we're going to go see King Jesus. Tonight I want to talk to you, however, about living life. And we all go through experiences in life that are difficult at times. The Lord used this text in my life several years ago. In fact, I preached some message from this text, a little bit similar, but not the same message. But I will tonight speak on how God used it in my own life. I want you to see with me in uh, the book of um, Mark chapter 1, verse number 9, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. Now we see the Trinity all together here. And straightway coming up out of the water, that's Jesus. He saw the heavens open and the Spirit, like a dove, descended upon him. That's the Holy Spirit. There came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, that's the Father, in whom I am well pleased. You know what a moment that was? Jesus identified in the believer's baptism, and baptism that is, was baptized of John, set a good example for us. I remember the day I got saved so very well. I was saved, and in our church, we didn't teach to get saved and get baptized immediately the same hour, the same day. And so we would always wait, and uh, we don't do it that way here. The way we do it here, you get saved, then you immediately obey. Believer's baptism the same day. You got saved the same day, the same hour, immediately in the Bible. We say, well, what about learning all those things? That comes after. You're saved, you're baptized, and you learn all things, you're taught all things, and you grow in grace. Now, I don't think our church was wrong by doing it a different way. I got saved in 1956. In 1959, 
I went through baptism classes with my sister. I have no idea what I was taught. I remember the room. I remember where it was. And then they said, it's about time for you to get baptized. We had an outside baptistry, and my twin sister and I got baptized at the same time. I tell you what, that was a wonderful day, a happy day. I thank God for believers' baptism, and it's a high moment. A lot of high moments in your life. You, you turn five to go to kindergarten. That's a big time. A child loses a tooth. They come to elementary chapel. That's a big moment. If you don't think it is, you ought to come to chapel and watch how excited they are that they have lost a tooth. They want to show me the tooth. It's up on top or it's down on the bottom. They open their mouth in elementary chapel. I see it. I notice there's Cheerios in there most of the time, and other things they've eaten for breakfast. And then they get so excited when it's their birthday. Some parents say they can hardly sleep at night. They're so excited about going to chapel and finding out that they can say it's my birthday and it's very exciting. You know, I still can't get over. I like having birthdays. I like having birthdays, uh, parties. I like having birthday gifts. You say, well, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's exactly what I, you should give. It's more blessed for you to give. I like birthdays. I like gifts. And you're supposed to act like, well, you didn't have to do that. Well, yes, you did. I, I like gifts. Amen. Aren't you the same way? Thank you. Don't leave me out here. There are big events. I remember the day when I went to go get my license. I turned 16 and I went to get my license. We had a secondhand car. My dad and I were flipping cars. And we had a 1960 Ford yellow station wagon. That's about the ugliest car you have ever seen in your life. They're just ugly as can be. They look like an upside down bathtub. They were long as could be. And if you put the nose of that car right here in the front row, right there by you, Brother David, the back window would be in that other parking lot. I tell you, that was the longest car. And the one we bought we were working on was a canary yellow. My dad says, so why don't you take that to get your license today? And I took that to get my license and parallel parked that thing. I, I, I don't know if God was helping me or what, but I lucked out. I got it in there for the first try, passed my test, and I'm off and running. Thank God that was the last time I drove that car. Big day. Big day when I went to college and big day when I met Cindy Swanson. And big day when we got married and big day when God gave us Tiffany and God gave us Tim and God gave us Tabitha. Big day when God gave us 14 grandkids. Big day when I became the pastor of this great church. I can remember all of it. I can remember the Monday I began here. March the 1st. It was cloudy like this, but it was raining. It was cold. It was cold. I remember those dates. But you know, after every special date in life, there can be crises. Here our Lord was baptized. The Spirit of God, the Father, the Son were all present. And then comes the wilderness. You know, before God will use you, before God will use me, whatever area it is in life, you generally always have to go through a wilderness. You have to face some things that will, you'll carry with you and it will prepare you on the pathway of life. Notice what the Bible says, and immediately. That's the same word you see in the gospel, straightway. Straightway means immediately. And immediately, 
as soon as he was baptized, as soon as this big event, as soon as the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit were all present, and as soon as that took place, immediately the Spirit drives them into wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with wild beasts, and angels ministered unto him. Before Jesus begins his public ministry, and he will, if you come over here and you'll see in chapter number, uh, chapter one, verse 16, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, and they forsook their nets and they became fishers of men. Uh, you'll, you'll notice that, uh, you'll see that word immediately often or straightway often. Verse number 18, straightway. And verse number 21, and straightway. And verse 28, immediately. And you had Simon's wife's mother, and he took care of that need. And then verse 32, you had the demons cast out. And he went uh, and he had the preaching tour that you see in Galilee, verse 35. And a leper healed in verse number 40. The great, great ministry. But he had to start with the wilderness experience. He had to begin there. God will take you through a wilderness. All of us face wilderness experiences. You know, there's a man by the name of Jacob. Remember Jacob? God was going to use Jacob. He's no longer not going to have, he's no longer going to have the name Jacob after this night. He had to go to a wilderness experience where the Bible says in Genesis 32, he was all alone. And he crossed over the brook, Jabrook, which, which, which means the emptying place. And God had to empty him. The problem with Jacob, he was a man that was full of pride. His very name, Jacob, meant to be a conniver, a schemer. And he schemed. And he always tried to figure things out. But God says, Jacob, I want to use you. I want you to no longer be a supplanter. I no longer want you to be a schemer. I want you to be Israel. And he changed his name. But that night he wrestled with God all night. He had his wilderness experience. There's one that's by the name of Moses. And Moses had to get alone with God. And God said, come on up here. And for those days, he walked with God, alone with God. And he had that, that experience alone with God for 40 days. You stop and think of it. Here's Jacob had one night. Here's Moses, he had 40 days. Here's Elijah. He had one season, entire season. I don't know how long, but I know that God said, I'm going to use you. But I first need to take you to the brook Cherith. And however long it was, it was a long enough time that the brook dried up and it kept sinking on its water line and sinking and sinking and no fresh water coming in and it turned green and it turned slime and mosquitoes and the bugs and it finally dried, dried up and God says, I'm not done with this experience. I'm going to use you. You're going to call down fire from heaven. You're going to stand up against Ahab but you first have to go to Cherith. Cherith means the cutting place. I have to cut and then I'm going to send you to Zarephath. That means the refining place and I'm going to refine your life but you have to go through trial before my breath and touch will be upon your life. I don't know how long it was, but it was a season. I do know Moses was 40 days on that mount. I do know that Jacob was one night alone with God. I do know there's a man by the name of Job, and God is going to use Job chapter 42 more in the latter end than he did in the beginning. But that was a year. 
And in that year, he suffered the loss of all his children. He suffered the loss of all of his wealth, all of his, all of his lands, all of his servants. He suffered his reputation. He suffered his health. He suffered his marriage and his wife ridiculed him. He won a hard, hard year. And it seemed like everywhere he turned, it was nothing but chaos. God takes people through wildernesses. And he gives us an illustration by taking his own son, Jesus Christ, to a wilderness experience. I'm reminded of a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was sent into a wilderness experience for at least 15 years. You know, Jacob was only one night. Moses was 40 days. Elijah was a season. Job was one year. But Joseph was 15 years. And God said, in these 15 years, I'm going to refine you. I'm going to take you from your home. I'm going to take you to another location. I'm going to take you to, uh, to a pit and take you eventually to a palace and then take you to a prison and take you back to the palace and take you to a position of prominence. But every place is going to be testing for 15 long years. Let me introduce Moses one more time. His wilderness experience one time was 40 years. Are you catching them all? One night. 40 days. One year. 15 years. 40 years. It seemed like nothing but trial and setback and wilderness. And so we see that our Lord begins his ministry first with adversity. Adversity always comes before victory. Tears always come before before joy. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning, Psalm 126. Failure always is followed by success. There must be hardship before there's deliverance. There must be loneliness before there's friendship. And tonight I want to take these few moments and look at this one particular verse. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days. I want you to see what it must have been like and who was there and what was there in this 40-day wilderness experience before the great ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. I find that the Spirit of God was there. Don't ever think that you're alone. In the wilderness experience and the testing that you're going through, it may be a a health test. It may be a physical test. It may be a marital test. It may be that God is quiet. It might be that you're been betrayed or you're lonely in life. It might be that you're facing sorrow that you've never faced before. It might be a broken heart. It might be a disappointment. But I want you to see who was there with Jesus. First, the Spirit of God, verse 12, and immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. You know, wherever you go, if you're a child of God, you take the Holy Spirit with you. God allows you to go through a moment of betrayal, a moment of loneliness. God allows you to go through the wilderness of a broken heart. God allows you to go through the sorrow and, 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 and uh, where God just seems quiet. The Holy Spirit goes with you. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. 
My Bible says that he became one who would dwell with us. He is called the comforter. Can you imagine as Jesus was there in the wilderness and the Holy Spirit who is God and Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit was there in that 40-day test in that wilderness to comfort him. I was speaking with someone just recently this past week. And I say, he said to me, and he said, you know, I love the Lord and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying, but God just seems silent to me. I said, it's a strange thing you should say that. Just this last week, I pulled off my shelf a, 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 a booklet from North Valley Publications, When God is Silent. When it seems like God is not listening. You know, when God is silent, God's always doing something. And sometimes, instead of taking it that, God, where are you? What in the world are you doing? Could you say that maybe God is doing something in the background, in the shadows, extremely great. You don't see it yet, but who knows how he's preparing you. Here, Jesus is alone in that wilderness experience, but the Spirit of God is there. When you cannot sleep at night, that comforter is there. That one who the comforter, he guides us, he teaches us, he comforts us, he convicts us, he walks with us. That Holy Spirit never leaves us. He will dwell with us forever. Friend, tonight, as you go to bed and you cannot sleep and you're worried and you're upset and you're in turmoil and your frustration and you're fearful, perhaps, of whatever situation you face in life, that Holy Spirit, that sweet Holy Spirit we sing about, He's still with you here in this wilderness experience. The Holy Spirit was there. Notice what the scripture says tonight. The Holy Spirit, yes, was there. Who else was there? What else was there? He was there in the wilderness 40 days you know what had to be there? Loneliness. There had to be loneliness. Perhaps you go through a wilderness experience. Perhaps you're very social. Perhaps you're very outgoing. Perhaps you're a very happy person generally. But now you've found yourself in a spot because of health or sorrow or marriage or disappointments or, or this or that. Perhaps, 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 you feel lonely, Mr. Outgoing, Mrs. Outgoing. A young preacher in the church that was looking to have him come candidate, they probably are listening tonight. They're my dear, dear friends. They're good people. And I had lined him up with a preacher. And the preacher was a good, good man with a wonderful, wonderful wife and with good, good kids. But for somewhere along the line after months of interviews and backgrounds and all these checks, and that's very good they did that. And they're good people. And they're great people. And a great building. And a great property. And a great, a, a great ministry. And this is a great man. But for some reason, it did not fit together. And I talked to this preacher recently. And I was speaking. He goes, I, my wife really took it hard at first. And I've taken it hard myself. I said, you know, let me tell you a story. I said, 40 six years ago, and I told him the story how this particular church in Colorado had us lined up to come and, and candidate. And this particular church had it lined up. We were supposed to candidate in Northern California. And I had a, really a total of three solid ones and a fourth one on the, on the line. And right before, before we were supposed to go, they called and they said, you know what? We like everything we see. We love everything about you. But we found out, Brother Trevor, you're only 24 years of age. I said, I am. And I, they said, we found out you don't have really preaching experience. 
but you preached three times. I said, I don't have preaching experience. But I believe God wants me to be a pastor. You know, all those churches had, I think the largest one had 11. They had nine people, seven people. We'd have to live in the nursery at the church. There'd be no salary. And I'm thinking to myself as they called back and said, we're looking for a man who's more experienced. There's a little church with about 20 people that called after those experiences. I, 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 I lost confidence that, you know, am I, am I stepping out of the will of God? I just believe that God, and I, I did it backwards. I would not recommend it. I don't think you quit a place before you have another place. But I, I just knew God was open. I, I resigned the church. And those next 40 days, it was literally 40 days that every door started to shut. And all of a sudden, a man by the name of Ed Brownlee, he was the chairman of the deacons of these 20 people at the place, a brand new little church called North Valley Baptist Church in Santa, well, actually in Sunnyvale, California at that time. And they had just moved to Santa Clara, California on Clyde Avenue. And they said, Brother Treber, we got your name here. And, and Brother Rutledge is with us at this time. And in time, he's going to leave. But we'd like you to come and consider being our pastor. And I'll never forget it. I said to them, I said, you know, Brother Brownlee, I'd like to come. But here's the situation. I'm 24 and I have no preaching experience. And I'll never forget what that, that dear man of God who's with our Lord said. He said, Brother Treber, if you're God's man, we don't care how old you are and how much experience you have, we would like to have you come and candidate. And I'll never forget coming here on March 1st and becoming the pastor of this great church. God's so good. But you know, in those 40 days, I'd go to bed at night. I don't know how much. I'm sure my wife must have seen this or heard this. I must have told her. But I was so discouraged with me. I thought I missed it here. I had this great ministry I was part of, and, and, and yet I, I began to think God wanted me to pastor, and now nobody wants us. And now we've got this church in Santa Clara. They don't own a building. They don't own anything. They don't have any money. They hardly can pay us, if anything at all. And nothing's going, not, not, not hardly any people there. But God opened it up. Little did I know God was preparing us. God was preparing us for uh, going through a, a, a crisis first. God, I told that to that young preacher who's not so young anymore, but I told that illustration. I said, you know, God's, God's going to do something. And God will use that church that closed the door. Let's our good people. So oh, they're good people. And God will just use that to close that door. God is going to open another one. You know, when you go through a wilderness experience, you go through a wilderness, the Spirit of God is there. But you know, there's loneliness. Can you imagine our Lord out there for 40 days and 40 nights in a wilderness by themselves? I could go backpacking by myself in the daytime and not have a problem. But you get out in those mountains at night, you hear every sound imaginable. Which leads us to see what happens here. The Bible said he was there in the wilderness. The Spirit of God was there. And the Bible says he was in the wilderness. He was alone. And thirdly, he was tempted of Satan. You know, when you go through a refining time, Satan's going to be there. 
Satan attacked Elijah. Satan, Satan was the one that attacked Job. And Satan was the one that, that, that attacked uh, every, every one of these situations in life. He was always there. He's a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. When you're lonely, he sees that. Maybe I'm wrong. Brother Bertram, maybe you could help me with this, and I'm so serious on it. A college professor said over 50 years ago, and I called him on it a few years ago before he died, maybe 15, 20 years ago. I, I said, you know, I don't confess unknown sins out loud. I said, I never have. I said, in, in a logic class, in your class, you mentioned something like that. He goes, I don't ever remember saying that. I said, well, I, I, I seem to think that you did say that, Professor. And I said, I don't want to tell the devil where I'm weak. And he said, I don't remember saying that, but I wish I had. It's like you get in a boxing ring, and I've told you this before. And, and you get ready to box, and you want to jab and jab and jab. And then you want to throw that. And when you jab, you always throw that punch and that leather. You, you turn it right when it hits the face. And the goal is to break the skin. And the reason why in boxing you want to break the skin so that the blood will blind the eye. But you don't go into a boxing match and here I am. Here I am in boxing. I remember my freshman year in high school boxing, Dewarty. <laughs> Dewarty was a senior. I was a freshman. Dewarty, just the name tells you he was a boxer. He cleaned my clock. I'm down on the ground. And Coach Clausen said, get up, Trevor, get up. Good night. And my head was all over the place. And guess what he did again? I went back down on the ground again. You, you know what you do? You try to bob and weave and try. But, but I, I'm not boxing Dewarty and, and saying, and the coach says, go ahead, boys. Ah, wait a minute. Dewarty, I fell just a couple weeks ago, and I really bruised this side of my cheek. In fact, I had some stitches. You see right there, I had those stitches. Now, I'd appreciate it if you would not hit me on my left side. Because it's still, it's painful. Would I want to tell my opponent, opponent where I'm weak? Why would I tell him that? Guess what? If he's a good boxer, the first thing he's doing, he's coming like this. And he comes and he spins that on this side and it hurts. And I drop my guard and he clocks me immediately. I don't say things out loud to the devil. The devil cannot read my mind. Jesus knows my thoughts. Now, I might be wrong theologically. And you can write a dissertation how bad our pastor is. But for all these years, I always confess known sin aloud to God. But I don't confess secret sins, as God's word calls them. I don't want my opponent to know he, he, there's, he, there's a weak spot. Trevor's weak. That's why I think some of you should stop complaining when, when I, I don't know how much pressure, more of this pressure I can take. That's like telling your opponent, hit me again. Here's where I'm weak. I don't know if I can go through the valley like this again. It's so hard. It's so difficult. I can't face it. It's so, I'm just so miserable. Why would you do that? The devil was there. You know the account from Matthew chapter 4. The devil tempted Jesus with everything. The first thing he tempted him was food. 40 days, 
he was hungry. And he said, if thou be the son of man, God, command that these stones be, become bread. You hungry, Jesus? He mocks them. You hungry? If you're God, turn, turn them into bread. He would have failed the test. If you're the son of God, he took them up to a high pinnacle, showed them all the kingdoms of the world. He said, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. How could the devil be giving the creator of the earth all these things? Because man gave it over to the devil in the garden. God made the garden and God made the earth and man was given the garden to, to, to spend time there and to walk with God. And Jesus came, God came walking in the cool of the day. He had given, given man earth and man gave it over to the devil. And, and the devil now, he, that's why John 5, 1 John 5, the whole world lies in the hand of the wicked one. Don't blame this mess on God. The devil's going to try to come after you. He tried the word of God as it is written. And he began to quote the Bible. Notice in this wilderness, and I see how quickly coming out of time. But I want you to see the Holy Spirit was there. Loneliness was there. Satan was there. Number four, verse 13, wild beasts were there. Wild beasts were there. I think you heard me a few weeks ago tell you I'm not a hunter. I have no desire to hunt. I, I'm, I admire you men that know how to hunt. I just, I, it's, not, it's not me. Uh, I, I, my toes get cold. I'd rather stay inside a nice, beautiful house or a hotel. I'm not into that sitting in that tree stand. You can be. Go ahead and do it. I just don't go down to the meat market and buy what you could sit out there and pay $4,000 for whatever it is, you know. But I recall one time I was preaching in Colorado. I've always had a policy that I don't believe if I'm out preaching on a Monday, Tuesday, I should ever go do something of fun and enjoyment. I should not be taking vacation on company time. I was taught that by an older preacher with the Lord. He said, you don't go out and then you just go do all these play things. So I have stayed within a half a block, a half a block, at least on six occasions by the Alamo, and I've yet to this day ever seen the Alamo. I could have gone out of a hotel room and walked and almost touched it, but the six times, I know I was there six times, right there next to the Alamo, I've never seen it. Because I don't believe that's fair to God's people here. I've never seen, I've never seen the Statue of Liberty, except for one time before 9-11, we flew over the Statue of Liberty and I looked down, I saw Ellis Island. I've preached in that area, but I've never seen it. I've never been to Shea Stadium, but I remember flying over Shea Stadium. Uh, there are places around this nation I've never been before. Uh, because I go in, I preach, I get, leave out, I get to the airport first thing on Wednesday morning and I used to come home. But I recall I was preaching in Colorado and an older preacher than I was there preaching. And he said to me the next morning, Brother Jack, I want you to be ready in the morning because we're going to be gone for the day. And I'll never forget what happened. I came, they, they all had like fishing gear on. I found out we were going up to the mountains and they had fishing gear on. I had uh, slacks on and I had a, 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 a dress shirt on and I had my briefcase with my Bible and books. Wherever we were going to go, I was going to study. 
And they laughed at me. And we pulled into the car to an airport. And we got to the airport, and there was a helicopter there, all fired up. And we walked from that. I said, where in the world are we going? And they said, we're going, we're going camping. I said, I don't want to go camping. They said, it's too late. We're going camping. And we got in that helicopter, and they took us back into the woods in Colorado. I'll never forget that night. I guess, and I was just too much of a city slicker. All of a sudden, there was a fire like this that was going. And I was sleeping by that fire. And all of a sudden, I heard, oh! I kept hearing these animals. I'm scared to death. I yelled at one of the preachers. I'm by the fire. He was in a little tent. I said, what is that? He goes, don't worry. It's wolves out there. I said, I'm worried. I'm scared to death. He says, stay by that fire. They won't bother you. Jose, that's no comfort to me at all. I heard sounds all night long. I heard sticks that were breaking. You know, 5,000 people were walking in those woods, I thought. I mean, it was wild animals everywhere. I saw 15 tigers. Thank God I brought my guns along and I was able to get them off of me. But, but I was scared to death all night long. The next morning, I could hardly wait to get out of there. I just could hardly wait to get out. You know, you take our Lord and that which he created and these beasts and they became wild beasts as a result of the fall. And there he is for 40 days with wild beasts. He's with the Holy Spirit. He's in the wilderness. He's experiencing loneliness as Satan is there and wild beasts are there. Look what else. And the Bible says, and angels ministered to him. I don't understand all what angels do, but I know Hebrews 1.14, they are ministering spirits. When I go to bed tonight, he gives angels watch over us tonight. I don't know and understand all about angels. Nobody writes about angels. I have only two books in my library. You cannot find books on angels. That'd be a good book for you to write, my dear brother. And uh, I wish you would. He, he can find things in the Bible that's not even there, but it sounds good. I'll tell you that right now. I want you to know, amen, angels ministered. Angels ministered to you and to me and your wilderness experience. I want you to see, lastly, hunger was there. Matthew 4, in verse number 12, he hungered. He was hungered. If you ever fast at any length of time, I've never fasted 40 days, but I fasted many days. And I fast regularly. I try to each week at a certain amount of time. But you know that if you fast, you're denying your flesh, you're denying your body, and you get weak. And when I fasted in the past for a little length of time, and for quite a season of time. This last year I, I was fasting and a few of my men saw where amidst all this COVID, I got so very weak. And I got so very fearful. And I became so very afraid. When you fast, you're denying your flesh. When you fast, there are sometimes you feel like you can reach out and touch God. He seems so close. And there are times when you fast where he seems so distant. When Jesus fasted 40 days, he was afterward a hundred. I want you to know 
that as soon as this experience was over after 40 days, his ministry opened up. What's God doing with you tonight? Are you in a wilderness experience? Perhaps you're not. I don't want to talk you into one, but one's coming. And when one comes, God always up, opens up greater miracles. Someone suggested I would not be the one. I'm not a writer. Someone suggested you ought to write a book about this church. I would like to write a book about you. I think I could help have a ghost writer or someone write it for me if I could tell them about you. But you know, I look back on the history of these 45 years, almost 46 years of our church history, when it became so dark and so impossible. And I could think of when the city said, no, 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 you can't build over there. You can't build over here. And it was always no. And those were dark days and hard days and wilderness days. But you know, Brother Manley, and you remember so many of them, your wife, God always came through at the end of that wilderness experience. And God opened things up. I recall coming to this church so many times and saying, I believe I found some property. I want you to pray about it. I took men to property. I took men up on the hill to pray over some property that I want to locate the, the church up on the hill over here in San Jose at the end of what is now Montague and Landis Road goes right up, right up there. I had some land up there. I negotiated with that land. I, I figured out how we could build buildings up there. And then all of a sudden, the rug was pulled out from underneath us. I can recall down Montague Expressway, I dealt with trying to get some land. And, and every time, it seemed like the rug was pulled out. And I'd had the people praying about it and working toward it. And, and you talk about wilderness experiences. We put an offer on this. And then once again, they said no. And a year later, God opened it up. You know, that year was a hard year. There was no hope in sight. And there was nothing that was going to happen that was good. And yet God gave us this property for a million and a half dollars less than what the year before we offered. God was doing something. God was doing something in the wilderness. When you were walking around this property and they gave us permission and we treated this like Jericho and around these weeds out here and get stickers in your socks and ladies, uh, uncomfortable when you walked around and you got over to where that building is over there. They used to grow snails in there for escargot and they would throw the, the shells out and you'd walk through the, and crunch and you'd hear those snail shells and they'd crunch. And it wasn't paved, and it wasn't streets and it wasn't sidewalks and it wasn't curbs and it wasn't beautiful. And, and yet God allowed that here when we circled around Jericho and the walls fell down a year later. I didn't, I had some dark days. And I remember those dark days. You know what God was doing? He was taking us through a wilderness so that he could pour out his hand of blessing. I truly believe COVID has been a good thing for us. It's a wilderness experience. And when it's all said and done, you watch what God will do. He's preparing us. You say, well, the state of California hates God. I know that. Well, the county hates God. I know that. Well, they're trying to pass laws and legislation. It's on my desk right now in the state of California, how they're trying to get rid of Christianity. I know that too. They don't want God. Oh, I know that. But after we go through the wilderness, they're going to 
maybe have to find out that God is their only hope. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.